The Barwon Heads Football and Netball Club and the Beach House at Barwon Heads are very proud to bring you episode 13, part 2 of The Tree on the Wing. Last week we left Statler and Waldorf I mean Carpo and Frizy, at the end of their football careers. We pick up the story with Adam talking about his career as an umpire, while Carpo shares his love of the hill and the theories behind the best method to get into the heads of the opposition and become the 19th player again. They also share the supernatural secret of the hill, the feature that has allowed several generations of fathers to watch the footy safe in the knowledge that their kids are well looked after. Carpo also discloses the reason for his dislike of one of our greatest rival clubs and how he had a front row seat to a folkloric event between the two clubs. We hope that you will enjoy the second instalment of Carpo and Frizy. Windmill, windmill for the land, forever hand in hand. Adam, post-footy, you went on to have a, a glittering career on field. Tell us about that. Well, uh, you're obviously not talking about my umpiring. So I am, I am talking you. about your umpiring. Oh, yeah, five, 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 six years of umpiring. First year was a bit of a blur, just trying to learn. Um, the next three or four years were, were really good fun. And then I found that I was starting to get a little bit grumpy with the players and saying things I probably shouldn't say as the umpire. And then um, I've actually retired from it. I asked them to, after the last season I did, that I, I didn't want to sort of do it anymore because I, I felt that, one, I was getting grumpy with the players and saying things I shouldn't have been saying. And two, a lot of the players and kids that Carpo and I coached in under 10s, under 12s and under 14s, because Carpo and I coached and managed together for five years in the juniors, um, we're all starting to come up into the reserves now. So um, I was... A little bit worried. Uh, what do they call it when you've got a um, you've got a conflict of interest? I, I thought it was not a, not a good uh, position to, to put myself in with with umpiring and stuff like that. And they found another bloke that wanted to do it this year, but unfortunately the, uh, the season didn't go ahead. Oh, okay. There you go. So you weren't going to do it this year? Nah, no. Nah, I've, I've, I've just as I said, I was just getting a bit grumpy, and you know, my son um, is hopefully uh, going to come back and, and play. And as I said, a few of the kids that we've coached from, you know, under under 10s, you know, coached since they were eight years old, you know, are now, you know, men and, and coming up and, and playing in the in the reserves. And I think I'm just I think I'm just a little bit worried that someone might give them a back end behind play and I might decide I'm gonna do something about it myself. I said to Ange when she they first said me about umpiring, she said, You're gonna behave yourself. And I said, if you see the umpire shirt come off, you know shit's about to get real interesting. Adam, while you were umpiring and obviously you did it for a long time did you ever get any comments from the players things like oh you wouldn't know, you probably never played the game did you have anything like that? Mate, I had a bloke against Newcomb one day and he was whinging all day and it got to the third quarter I said mate, stop whinging, go and get the footy I'm not giving it to you, go and get it yourself (laughs) and he said to me if you played for Newcomb, you'd be whinging too I said, if I was playing for Newcomb, I'd be playing in the <laughs> ones, mate. There's an edit. Yes, we have, I have it. Sorry, sorry. It just no, it stays in. We, we, <laughs> you just got yourself a seagull squawk. <laughs> oh, sorry. I always said, 
I've always said that Adam is the only reserves umpire that one day will have to report himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Matty Walder once told me he was umpiring the reserves and gave a free kick and the Blake said to him, you're an idiot, you've got no idea, you've probably never even played the game. And he just looked at him and laughed and, and he, he told me that. He's like, do you reckon I should have said I won an Ash medal? Won an Ash medal, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you idiot. A few illustrious crews that have donned the umpires Guernsey for the in the reserves since they've been doing um, club umpiring. Yeah, well, I think Wow Wow was always good fun to watch because Wow, as we all know, has the uh, the wit and the fast mouth to be able to pretty much back up anything that he says on the ground. So, I think any smart mouth that he got off the players was pretty much handed straight back to him. And then Archie Govins did it for a while, and uh, Archie Govins wouldn't even understand half of what blokes were saying to him when they were rude to him. <laughs> did Al Ogilvy do it for a while or did you just do the boundary no no he was doing it uh, when I took it over so he oh, did it between Wow and myself like he did it for a couple of years and yep. I think he was uh, pretty happy to see me show up and decide that I was going to um, do it but I'll tell you what because I had a period with when you had kids were young and I was coaching the juniors that I sort of fell away from the seniors and the resis for a while and didn't know the players so becoming the reserves umpire I think really sort of got me in touch with all the reserves players and, and get to know the players and, you know, for them to get to know me. And because, you know, to start with, they were like, you know, who is this player? But yeah. After umpiring for a while. And I think they liked the way I umpired because it was bloody, it was no, no blood, no foul. Play yeah. on. Obviously my favorite season ever in footy was 93, but my second favorite season ever in footy was last year where I umpired and I umpired Bowenheads and Ocean Grove and Queenscliff under 19s quite a few times. And I had a great time doing it. I, I umpired three Battle of the Bridges, I reckon, in under-19s or two. And um, it was fantastic. And the, the contact you have with the players and is is really, really good. And you start off not knowing any of them. By the end of the season, you, you know them all. And they know how you umpire and you know how they play. And you can keep doing the same club all the time. It, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, look, it, it's good fun. And that's what I'll say. In, in the middle, I really enjoyed it, but I just found towards the end, I was just just starting, you know, just because you can put up with with all the comments and all the stuff that the players say and you can sort of, you know, have a joke with them. But sometimes after a while, it starts to to, to wear you down. And, um, yeah, I just started saying a few things or making comments or just, just, I think, letting things get under my skin more than I should have. I should have just just ignored a lot of stuff and towards the end I just found myself not acting the way that I think that I should as being part of the club and you're the club umpire and you know you have a certain certain standard um I think when Nipper said about reporting myself I think Jumpy got about as close as ever to, to me reporting myself was a threat to shorten his nose one day for well, that, calling me a cheat that that was the thing I was going to come to I was going to say you would have umpired with a lot of other blokes from other clubs and some of them would have been fantastic and you've got good relationships with and then there was probably some that weren't. So, and you've already mentioned Jumpy, and you and I have discussed Jumpy quite a bit. We we probably shouldn't say too much about it, except that. Don't uh, get me started on Jumpy. No. <laughs> he was he's an honest bloke. He was just a chum, you know. Well, well, that's that's what the argument started for Nipper. He called me a cheat over the fence while he was the in the umpire's escort uniform so he's the umpire's escort and he's calling me a cheat over the fence and that's what started the whole argument of all people to be like pointing fingers around the joint 
Carbo, did you ever have any aspirations of umpiring football? Hell no, Nipper. I never ever want to umpire a game of football. One, because I, as I sit on the hill and I watch Adam do it in the reserves game, and and no joke, it is the most. If you can do that, you are a bloody legend. There's no joke in that. Obviously, Teddy's legend as well. I would punch someone in the first five minutes, I reckon, and I'm not a violent person. The really good thing about umpire in the seconds is that there's not a lot of blokes on the hill. (laughs) Yes. Teddy, do you remember a former Bowen Heads player that took up junior umpiring back in the uh, probably late 80s, I think? And he he, uh, ran around, he had all all the gear and ran around umpiring a few games. He actually got a cult following that we go and watch him umpire games. Oh. Um, Over exaggerated. Um, did too. So, you know, you've just dropped it, fella. Yeah. And that is one of. Cult following junior umpiring. Yes. And I, I've i been uh, picked up a couple of times for my, for my style of, of indicating the holding the ball. And yes. and I will not change it. And I said it is an homage to my friend David. So, oh, well, Carpo, in a, in a game yes. of footy, do you have, did you ever double fist? No, no, Teddy, I never double fisted. Oh. Um, but I was amazed at your ability to double fist. Oh well, I only probably did it twice. But I, I do notice that a it's pack hap- of twenty people, and you come over the top and go bang. There's, Double fist, that ball, the ball would nearly hit centre-half forward and we'd be <laughs> off again. It was magnificent. I've noticed that there's a fair bit of it going on in, in the AFL at the moment I'm, and I am, I'm claiming the title of trailblazer. You know why Teddy double-fisted? Because he could double-fist further than he could kick. <laughs> absolutely. That's absolutely true. If I had to mark the ball, I would have had to go back 15 metres and kick it, whereas if I just punched it, it went forward forty meters. We're better off. It's a nil sum game. It's not hard to. It's not hard to manage. You got to angle it right now because if you angle it right, it goes down on the band. We used to just bash it over the boundary line. That's deliberate now. Yeah. So it was, it's a very technical thing to learn. No, oh, it double is. Fist. It's not easy. So we've we've gone through our footy careers or your blokes' footy careers, and we're 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 now at the point where you're not required to play football anymore. So what do you do with yourselves on a Saturday afternoon? And there's, there's only one place that you can go. And what, it, what, what do you think that place is, Carpo? Well, I'm not sure what I'm doing on a Saturday afternoon, but when I wake up on Saturday morning, I know I'm going to the footy on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so I actually plan the day. I um, have, have a good early morning breakfast. Um, I prepare nicely. Like I don't have too many beers on Friday, just enough. So you've got a few in you by the time you get there on Saturday. Um, yeah, just have a nice solid breakfast, load up the wallet because you know, all the money's going back to the footy club as well through the bar, through the supporting of the club. And I just, I love it. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> it is. It is wonderful, isn't it? And, and Frizy, what about you? It sounds like Carpo puts in a, a bit of a, a warm-up session on a Friday. What about yourself? 
Yeah, look, because I uh, umpire the resis, which actually keeps me off the crocs because I've got to umpire the resis, so I can't actually get into the beers until the seniors get started. So, yeah, I get up in the morning and do the resis and go on the hill, but I look forward to it. I've missed going on the hill so much. I reckon I've nearly missed the hill more than I've missed watching the footy. Yeah, me too. Just, I'm with you there. The, 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 of your capo and Trizy, um, and you know, you know, I've got a bit of influence around the club with the tree on the week now. What improvements <laughs> do you think could be made to the hill? What would make it a better experience for those that are up there on a Saturday afternoon? Mate, they need a roof and a barrel, a fire barrel up there. But the other problem is that they give us a roof and a fire barrel, we never go home. Yeah, yeah, you might not yeah. go. You might not go up into the long room if they did that. Mm. Well, we have to order drinks in the long room to be delivered down to the hill because you know, we're on the hill. We're, we, we've got pool in the club too, Nippo, because we're, we're part of the mob, mate. <laughs> I, I've always said it's the most valuable piece of real estate and the most enjoyable piece of real estate in Barwon Heads. It's, it's about the size of a house block, a small house block, and it is magnificent. It's, it's one of the greatest places to be on a Saturday afternoon when we're playing, especially the last... Three or four years have been particularly good because of the club having the success it's had. You know, we never have to stand up there and see ourselves get flogged, do we? It's interesting because the hill never come about until they built the new club rooms. That's right. Well, when the old club rooms were there, no one was, was on the hill. But I think one of the factors that makes the hill what it is and makes it so family orientated is that unlike everybody else, we actually have a tree that babysits children. Magnificent. I was going to get, I didn't know how we were going to get the conversation around to that, but it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the baby, the babysitting tree is famous. It always has been. It's very famous in our family. I remember turning up there, the first time I ever came to the footy with my two boys, and, and I reckon Aiden was three, and Bryce, which made Bryce five. I, I didn't have a problem with Bryce. He was going to go off and have a kick of the footy, and he, he had a few mates kids that he went to school with and everything. But Aiden, I was a bit worried about. So I sort of let him go for a bit. And then I turned around and he was gone. And I turned around I turned around to you, Carpo, and I said, I'm in trouble now. I've lost one of my kids. And you said, no, you haven't, Teddy. He's right over there in that tree, in the babysitting tree. And I said, what do you mean? He said, go and stick your head over the fence. So I stuck my head through the branches of the tree and if there wasn't 350 kids in there, I'll go E. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. And there was a whole bunch of dads and they were all they'd be watching the game and then every now and then they'd all look to the right and yep. just watching to see if anything came out of the tree and if it was theirs. Brilliant. And there was Aiden sitting in the tree. Right up the top, actually, as high as he could get. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Well, me and Adam knew about it for years. We just threw our kids in there. They did well. But my sort of thing was at the final siren, we're on the hill still. After the final siren, we'll move up into the long room, which we call it now, in the new rooms. And no joke, if you actually grabbed that tree and shook it, it would be amazing how many people just fell out and just ran into the nice warm club rooms after the final siren. It was amazing. It's an amazing thing. It is. The uh, um, amount of uh, husbands that I've seen standing on the hill, like guys watching the footy, and yeah. their wives come up and they go, where are the kids? And they just and they point. Go, 
over there. They're, they're, they're in the tree. <laughs> and the wife goes, and the wife goes, who's looking after him? And they go, the tree is. The tree is. <laughs> the tree's almost a person. It is. <laughs> we have well, they used to be behind Bonnie's barn. Yep. So yep. even when, oh. when Carpo and I had our kids when they were young, before the hill was such a big thing, we used to be sitting next to the canteen and our kids would be around the back playing in the tree. Well, that, that tree was there when I was a kid. And it, and it, yeah, yeah. it hadn't grown. It's just been the same size all the time. And it was a great tree to climb because back in my day, once you get on the tree, then you could get on the roof of Bonnie's barn. <laughs> yeah. And then Vern and Fry would come and drag you down by the nuts. That <laughs> roof. <laughs> now, for our listeners, we're not talking about the tree on the wing here. The tree on the wing babysits the older children, or did in its day. We're talking about the tree in the Ford pocket at beside the hill that looks after the little children. Yes. Yes. Well, funny you mentioned the tree on the wing, because I remember the tree on the wing, because I was always younger than you guys, and my mum was always at the footy. So You're I still younger than us, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I remember the year that they put barbed wire around the base of the tree to try and stop the kids from climbing up there. But all it did was allow the smaller kids something to hold on to to climb up there. Exactly. When I first, the first time I ever climbed that tree, it had barbed wire around it and we just used the barbed wire to climb up the tree. <laughs> yeah. If they had to put the barbed wire on there, you would have had no way of being able to make it up to the first branch. Oh, they just no. made it e- easier for you. Exactly. I was there to keep it up there. The tree obviously wasn't as big and it had a little bit more foliage out to the front towards the ground than, than it does now. People look at it now and think, how would you sit at the top of that? But when we were kids, it was you could sit on the top of it and it was like a, a, a bouncy bed. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. You have a look at the, the uh, Facebook site of the past players and some of those old photos from the early 70s with the tree in its, uh, and its absolute prime. And uh, you, you could probably fit 100 kids up there on one absolutely when we're up on the hill I always like to think of it as an umpire's advisory board and there's (laughs) there's there's a number of blokes up there who know what they're talking about and they know how to advise the umpires Carpo you're not that interested in the umpires although you do take some interest in it but you're always very early in the game or at some point in the game you will pick a friend and that friend will have a jumper on from the opposition. How, how do you go about making that choice? As a past player and having a past player mate in Adam who's now umpiring, it's a pretty much dual process. So after Adam umpires his reserves game and uh, has his shower, rocks up with his salad roll, cracks his can of Coke before he has his first beer, will sit on the hill and Adam usually nominates. I'm happy to go with him. I might have a few different uh, candidates, but um, it usually involves a person that does the stupidest thing, maybe trying to kick someone in the face, just doing little bits and pieces that are a little bit unsportsmanlike. Once that person is now... um, Identified. Oh, yeah, he's gone for the rest of the day. That's it. The whole hill will now involve themselves... (laughs) <laughs> on paying that bloke out every time he touches the football. Yep. And most times, after he's been identified, he will never touch the football again in front of the hill. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how it works. Everything here is immediately followed by sarcastic comments and nasty responses. Yep. We're finally where we belong. 
<laughs> My favourite day was the day that you uh, we were playing Modern Warrior and you you decided to identify Josh Finch. He then uh, gave us the opportunity to mock him about 76 times. Yes. Yeah, that happens. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it backfires. <laughs> Obviously, it backfires from time to time. But, um, I don't reckon there'd be a more famous backfire from the hill as the one I instigated in the early part of this century. No, Nipper, I'm not going to let you cop the blame for that. I was, I was as good a part of that as you were. I was the loud part of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> We were playing the Battle of the Bridge against Ocean Grove and we were up and there was only 10 or 15 minutes to go in the last quarter and we started singing, there's no G.O. in the old O.G. Oh, yeah. And you know what it did? It spurred Ocean Grove on to victory. <laughs> there were two blokes that day who had not touched the footy until halfway through the last quarter. Until the fat man sang. Yep, one of them's name was Damien Clark, not the one we have. Yeah, Bones Clark. Yeah. Bones. And the other one was Matthew Payne. Yes. Who, yeah. who both had the yeah, ability yeah, to play. play. Yeah, and I reckon between them they had 35 possessions in the next 10 minutes and physic- <laughs> yes. completely the two of them grabbed Ocean Grove, put them on their shoulders and dragged them over the line. And I remember standing in the rooms after the game and I said to Payne, well, mate, that was a fantastic victory. And he goes, you can thank you and Nipper for that because that really, that really pissed me off. And I just said, you blokes are going to pay for that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. No, well, that was the time it didn't. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I worked with a bloke that just started playing for Ocean Grove in his first year. And he was playing his very first game at Bowen Heads in front of the hill. And he was telling me that the coach said to him, Whatever you do, no matter what happens today, do not acknowledge that the hill exists. Because if you acknowledge their existence, you will cop it for the rest of the day. And he thought, ah, it's all a load of bloody bullshit. And, you know, no one's going to worry about that. And he said it wasn't until like he showed up on that day, and I think it was halfway through the second quarter, he did a late hit on somebody right in front of the hill. And it was the hit was late and it was a free kick like Dan Field, we got a goal from it. And from that moment on, the hill was just on top of him for the rest of the day. Did not get a touch for the rest of the day. And he said, every time I touched the ball, I could just hear the, the crowd like build as I was going near the ball and just start giving it to me every time I touched it. He thought, I thought it was a fallacy until I actually had to play against it. And he said, it's, it's another player on the ground. He said, the intimidation that comes from if the ball goes underneath that hill that you're going to cop, that you need to put up with. He goes, it's just, I've never seen anything like it before. Hey, Adam, yeah. you forget something about it. It was, it was, I remember that. And it was late, but you forgot that it's an Ocean Grove player. It was late <laughs> and soft. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been a hard hit from an Ocean Grove player, ever. No, oh. nor a Geelong amateur player either, Nipper. <laughs> no. Where does that come from, Carpo? What what's the reason you you'd have a very uh, low opinion of the Geelong Amateur Football Club, and I'm just I'm I'm curious as to know where that comes from. Did you get kicked out of their pub one night? No, no, no. They don't have a pub. By the way, I'm with you 100, percent Carpo too. I don't like them. Yeah, 
they've they've left several leagues just to get to a softer league, and they finally got to the BFL, and they thought, oh, it's going to be soft. And then blokes hit them hard, and they went, oh shit, we're stuck here, we can't leave again. <laughs> they whinged about everything. Their people, and and on the, I'm being a little bit general, but some of the people just seem to be a little bit arrogant most of the time, <laughs> and to the point where, and it's a it's a. Peter Boy come back to play twos for a while, and he'd, he'd played he'd played at Barnheads, obviously Geelong Barnheads. He'd played parameters, and he'd won two best and fairest, and was still in really good form. Decided to retire. Had a couple of years off. He rang me one night. He goes, "I'm going to make a comeback. I'm just going to play in the twos with you for a couple of years. Let's have a crack." We played in the twos. He, his first one of our first matches was Geelong amateurs. He's leading up from full forward. And he's done a hamstring. And the whole of the amateur crowd have booed him, laughed at him, and called him all these things under the sun two years after he's won two best and fairest in a row. That's the day I decided that people like that don't need any time. And that's why I have a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a hatred, but a hatred for amateurs. (laughs) You did call it a hatred. Yeah, absolutely. Were you a, a witness to the, the confrontation between Joffa and a person at the amateurs, at an amateurs game at amateurs? Absolutely, Teddy. Um, you need to talk us through that because it is part of the – this. I'm just going to run people through this. We don't condone yeah. violence, but this, yeah. is a, this is about the history of the footy club and this is an yes, important absolutely. moment in the history of the footy club. And it's a fantastic story. So I need you to tell it. I believe you're talking about the moment. I believe Tim Wishart was. It was one of his first senior games. This is the one we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, it was really. So I remember it as the day that I lost Lucy. Our daughter Lucy was very young then. She she wasn't in the babysitter tree. No, no. It was at Geelong Amateurs. Well, they don't have one. No, they don't have a babysitting tree. They've got three thousand because it's a golf course, but there's no yeah. babysitting. Tree. They also they also have a river. Yeah, correct. So, yes, um, Tim Wishart was running down the like a sort of a half forward flank area and a senior player from Geelong Ambers did an unlawful thing and tackled him badly, resulting in the person being knocked out. Um, Joffa wasn't happy. Joffa was sort of the, he was the president at the time. We sort of all got together and Joffa was, oh, it's all good. So we went to the president's lunch at half time, and Joffa, Turned to me and I, and I said, Joff, you're all right, you're all right. And he goes, no, I want to kill everyone. <laughs> That's how angry he was because basically what had happened is an elder, John elder player had um, knocked out a young Tim Wishart. So that was just not what was done right. But before all this happened, there was sort of a bit of a boiling point where one of the blokes from Geelong Amateurs, one of the full forward blokes, he had a crack at Joffa and he said, what are you going to do, do Joffa? Whack me in the face. And pretty much Joffa whacked him in the face. You only have to ask once. And the whole time, because it's a serious sort of incident, we're all worrying around. And and then looked around and went, where's Lucy, my daughter? She was two. And, uh, yeah, we found her near a tree close to the... Club rooms where all the incidents happened. Yeah, it was pretty scary at the time, but and yeah, and the said Joffa Miles wanted to go on with it for a bit, but things calmed down. Yeah, it was a, a scary incident, but um, it deserved the reaction that it got. Exactly right. Now, 
I think from what I've been told of the incident, the bloke was um, probably about six foot seven. His surname was Van der Kluster, and I think he might have yes, played. Yes, Van der Kluster is his name, yes. He played a little bit of AFL football as well. Correct. And he, so he was no, he was no, um, he was no lightweight or anything like that. He was a big bloke. Oh, no. And he, and he asked Joffa to touch him on the chin. He, he said to Van der Kluster, um, what would you like to do? And he said, if you want to punch me, you can punch me. And Joffa punched him square in the face. Knocked the sunnies <laughs> off his head. And um, I was on the committee at the time. And that very Monday morning meeting, uh, Joffa decided to hand in his resignation as president. Where all committee members got together and decided that was overruled because Van der Kooster deserved that punch in the face. <laughs> I can't remember Van der Kluster it was. I don't think it was Tim. I think it was the other one. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, Nipper. But he, he was a big... But all I remember is he's sunny going, just flying about 60 feet at light speed. Because, you know, Jock was the master of the one-inch punch. So oh, yeah. you know, it, it, went, it was hard and it was fast. And, and, and the bloke actually couldn't believe that he'd been hit. He went, oh, God, I've, asked him, I've asked him to hit me and he's hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're running this Zoom through my phone, which is about to die. And we've been yeah. going for an hour and a half, which has been magnificent. And I've loved every minute of it. But we're going to have to wrap it up. I've so, got more stuff. Hey, well, if you, want, if you want to bring up more stuff. Hey, Fry, where's your stuff? You got a shit, have you? Oh, mate, I've still got heaps of stuff. <laughs> I'm not adverse to having another having another crack at this, but we, but my phone's going to die. So yeah. we... I, I think we need to get back to our two truths and a lie. I reckon Carpo's got to be running out of red wine too. Yeah, uh, well, and that's the other yeah, thing. I've, the bottle, Nipper. I've run out of red wine, so two truths and a lie. We going, aren't we? Yeah, we're going with. Oh, we're going to go with you first, Frizy, because right, I reckon I reckon I've nailed Carpo's. Carpo's is not, not too hard. Three best and fairest in the under 18s Never played with your cousins. Yep. We're, not, we're not really sure what that means. Played football, football with your cousins. Yeah, yeah, played okay. football with my cousins. And you played a couple of seasons for Ocean Grove. One one season at Ocean Grove. A season for Ocean Grove. All right, I'm going to let you have a crack at. I'm going to Nippo, You're going to have a crack at this. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I reckon I'm having a bit of faith in that he never played with his cousins, whether it was on the football field or anywhere else. Um, the Three best and fairest in the under-18s is an interesting one because if you are good enough to win three best and fairest in the under-18s consecutively because you have three years in the under-18s, you will be playing senior football. And Adam's already mentioned that he played a lot of senior football while he was still under-18s. So you probably may not have played enough games to win three consecutive best and fairest, which leaves me with the fortunate one that he actually did play one season at Ocean Grove. And it was probably because he lived there four years old playing season at Ocean Grove is a lie. Is it true? Hang on, what am I talking about? No. You're trying to find the lie, Nipper. Have another stone. Yeah, yeah. No, he would have played. I reckon he's played with one of his cousins. Uh, and I reckon he's played for Ocean. Ooh, you wouldn't have won three best and fairest. Nah. Couldn't All have. right. 
So, so what do you call them? The three unrating best and fairest is a lie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me explain to you. The first one is I uh, did play a season at Ocean Grove when I was in under 11s because yeah. I was nine years old and my mother wouldn't let me play under 15s. Yeah, we've got that. Cool. Um, I never played football with my cousins because, as you know, and a lot of people around the club, that uh, Vern was the secretary of the club. He had the three boys, Jeff, Staggers and the old man. But I'm the only male grandchild. All of my cousins are females. I was going to ask you that question. Uh... and uh, I could not think of you having a male cousin. Yeah, I um, thought that guys that, that was that was why I was that was what I was trying to get you guys with because I thought that'll make you try and think that I actually have any cousins. Yeah. Um, so no, you got it right. The three best and fairest under 18s. I've actually got three runner-up best and fairest in the under 18s. Ah, there you go. Well, that's a there pretty uh, pretty special. I had aspirations of winning three best and fairest in the under 18s. For first year <laughs> under 18s, I won one. The second year, I was runner-up. And I played I think, six games of seniors that year. And the third year, I played about two games under 18s and the rest of them were in the seniors. But after my first one, I thought, I can win three in a row here. Never happened. So it's very hard to do. I don't think I'm, it's ever done. I'm pretty right. sure I got beaten the first year by Brad Luke. And the yep. last year, I got beaten by Shane Fari. Oh, that's no... That's well, something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or did he play three or four games? Oh, mate, no, he played the whole season, but he was, he was just, it was like watching magic unfold. Right. Carpo. Yes, Teddy. I'm I'm going with the Peter Riccardi's five goals because I know you've told yeah. me the story about as, the, as the lie, because I know you've told me the story about the field count when you asked for a, a count of players and you were the one that had too many. Yes, um, and, we're, and we're getting flogged. That's true. <laughs> that was at Anglesey. Um, yes. It was a hell, hell of a day raining down, shit weather, crappy, shitty, as, as bad as you can get. 35 goals down, we've kicked maybe one six or something. And someone, and I don't know who it was, went, "This looks like there's too many players on the ground. So as the captain that day, I called a count and... We lined Uh-oh. up and they were all angry and the umpires were all angry because we stopped the game and about 19 on the ground. That's horrific. <laughs> Sad but true. Teddy, I reckon the headbutt, Carpo probably deserved it uh, being at Waves on a Saturday night. Yeah, and I guarantee you that that's, that is that is the way that both he and Aaron would approach carnal relations. It's probably referred to as ball play. Yeah, and that is sadly true. Thank you very much. That's how we met, and uh, obviously now we're fully married. Now, the call about Peter Riccardi, I'm going to make a call here. I reckon it was about eight goals. It wasn't five. No. no. I reckon it might have been 15. (laughs) It was actually seven seven goals. (laughs) I can't remember it was a GFL league thing because what back in the day they used to get the two best players from your team and the captain. So at Bell Park, I was the captain of my two years at under 18s and they just picked Brad Stacey and Brett Pollard every time because they were both gun footballers in their day. And then I just went, and the captain. 
So you go, you'd have to measure your weight, your height, everything. And I, I didn't even know what to do. I just went, oh, bloody whatever. You're in the back pocket, mate. No worries. So I went on and this bloke like is kicked seven on me. So my lie is, yes, he didn't kick five. He kicked seven and then went on to make a beautiful career. You know the yeah. funny thing? He's pretty soft, though. The funny thing about this is, Carpo, and Pete, Pete Riccardi's told me this. When we talk about, you know, we're talking about why he uh, went on and played AFL football, not as many games as Rico did, but why yeah. he was a child prodigy, you know, like he was a superstar as a kid. Rico really struggled. He did not develop till he was, you know, like 17 sort of thing. So uh, you've obviously got him uh, before he hit his absolute peak. But, no, uh, not joking, there, but he was he was playing like school, we played school footy. He was at Chanel, and I was at Bell Park High. Um, and then he, he was juniors at Bannockburn. We we crossed paths a lot of times, just as juniors. And I did, I didn't rate him at all. Uh, and and I'm not saying I rated myself. I was just yeah. shaking. But he, when you went to the sort of the scare things, and Adam would know. Like Adam's represented ballerine, um, you know, and all those more elite things. I sort of got chose for those more so because I was a, a captain of junior things, not so much that I was um, the better player, but it was great to have the opportunity to do it. But then looking back and those blokes were fantastic players. Mm. Like, you know, Adam Spain, uh, Peter Cuddy, like, you played over, what, nearly 300 games for Geelong. Yeah. And, and back, back in their juniors, they, to me, they, they didn't seem that good, but you just know what people are looking for. And then, you know, I'm happy. I'm totally happy to be a Bellarine football that's played so many games in, in, in a certain league with a bunch of mates. Fantastic. And that's I reckon that's what it's all about. Well, my, actually... story, my story, Carpo, is ended up at, at one of those games too. And I, I ended up playing on a bloke who he went on to play a bit of footy. He was reasonably good. He's, his name was Andrew Buse. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I had, a sim- I had a similar experience to you. Stephen Buse, his brother, was my teacher at high school. Who yeah. I actually got to kick a goal on because he played. Steve wasn't. They used to call him Hollywood. Mm. Um, and I actually got to play a game against my school teacher. That's the best thing because well, the whole <laughs> time you're playing the game doesn't matter where he is. You're trying to take him out. I did that in reserves when I was 16, playing against Queenscliff, playing against me. I had to kick four of him from the wing. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, boys, nip up and you two blokes. I reckon we'll do this again because I know you blokes have got a, no- a lot of notes. So uh, this is going to go, gang- go gangbusters. I, I obviously yeah, haven't yeah. asked you the right questions, Carpo. This is going to go gangbusters. but People are going to yeah, love this. Because well, we don't um, need it to go gangbusters. We just need to like tell some stories. That's all. Yeah, that's right. But no, no, no. But people, you know, people listen to the tree on the wing and they love it. That we have some episodes that are super popular. This is going to go really huge because part of being on the hill is you two blokes. It's it's what are these idiots, these knuckleheads, going to come up with today? I'm as much a part of that as you blokes. But uh, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's as you, we've all discussed it. We miss it. One of, the, one of the legends of the hill turned fifty today, too. Who's that? Mister William Winter. Billy Winter. He's got the same nipper. You missed out on him Billy earlier Winter. on. Yeah, it was, yeah, there was someone else came up on my Facebook. I reckon there was a couple came up on my Facebook, but I don't think Billy's on Facebook, is he? 
No, Billy's not on Facebook. You have to go through Kim. <laughs> <laughs> the same as everyone. Facebook. You don't get on Facebook. Is, is Billy on? Is Billy even on mobile phone yet? No, he, I don't. Th- I think you, you have to call him on the landline. Yeah. I think Billy's phone. I think Billy's phone's sitting there with his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> his long pants. You've got to have a really long piece of string. With two cups at each end to get in contact with Billy. Well, this is probably about the closest we're going to get to being on the hill. So uh, yeah. hopefully everyone will have a bit of a giggle. I actually feel quite honoured to be uh, asked to do the podcast with you guys. I was yeah. um, stoked. Hey, I, I even had to have a couple of nervous wheeze like playing football before I come on. No, I have nervous wheeze all oh, yeah? the time. Yeah. No, no, seriously, guys. Like, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I said years ago, oh, you've sent me the message. and <laughs> Oh, shit, they've run out of blokes, legends. No. I'll give you the drum, boys. We have not run out of blokes. Have we, Nipper? Hey, Carpo, Frizzy, when we run out of blokes is the day that we do Tommy Beckworth. Oh, Great kid, Tommy is, and he's very, very keen to get interviewed on the tree on the wing, but um, he just hasn't got the experience. You've got to do uh, your time, Nipper. Yeah, yeah, I've said that out of a couple of times. Oh, we've got some legends on, like Chucker and Paul oh, Haz, and yeah, when I got the mess the other day. <laughs> oh, shit. I had to do a bit of a. We still. We're not recording now, are we? Yeah, we still are. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a little bit excited. I went, Ooh. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Oh, look, it's great that we're touching uh, people. But what are you doing? It's brilliant. It's, it brings everyone together. Look, over a shitload of generations, though. Mm. Adam's got all the old school, because like, he lives Barnheads. Like, lives Barnheads footy. You know, and I sort of come in late, but then I live it for another, like, my kids grew up there and everything. And then Nipper's got his own story, and Teddy, you've got your own story. And they're all the ones that are all going to the same place. Tell them about your first night at the pub, Capo, when you started with Bowenheads. Hey, The first night at the pub after you started first game after Bowenheads. Oh, we had, um, yeah, it was like one of the early nights. I went to the Bowenheads pub, and some blokes had a crack, and I went, what do you want to have a crack? He goes, let's go, mate. And I put my fists up, and I couldn't fight. I can't fight for shit. I put my fists up, and I went, right, let's go. And then... All these blokes, there's three or four of them, they just all just gone, gone away and went, nah, you're cool, man, you're cool. No, do I? good am I? Duncan Smith, all manner of Barnes blokes, just sitting behind me ready to go, yep, right out, he's having a crack at him, you're having a crack at him. And that's when I knew I was home. Ah, oh, beautiful. I love the story. So, Nip Up, Teddy. what did you learn today? What have you learned, Teddy? Well, I, was, I learned early in the thing that... Your mother shares a birthday with Sir Donald Bradman, and I didn't know that. So that's that's the. F- I learnt that right at the very beginning. I don't know. I've learnt so many things that I don't know where to start. To be honest, you better start soon because my phone's going to run out of battery. Yeah, righto, righto. I need a good one, and I haven't I haven't thought about this. You always spring this one on me. Yeah, look, I'm probably going to have to go with um, the Carpo. And Frizy are struggling to live Saturday afternoons without the hill. They really miss it. And they're passionate about it. And they love watching the footy. And they love heckling. 
and they actually that's what that's the big thing I've learned. They actually plan <laughs> the target. They, that's right. Yeah, the target plan itself. They uh, they do plan and they target yeah. something. And, uh, they go, no, good call, Carpo. Carpo's just made the call there. The target plans itself. <laughs> Doesn't take long for someone to do something stupid on a football ground. That's brilliant. <laughs> all right. We're not all done. I reckon we're going to go again with this, but I just want to thank you, Blokes, for your time tonight. We've been, we've been cracking on for nearly two hours, you know, and it's been absolutely brilliant. I've really loved it. A lot of great stories. I've I saw, I certainly saw Adam grow up, and I, Capo, you came to us when you were a young bloke, and so we're a bit older than you, blokes, and you're a, a massive part of our footy club. You're a massive part of the fun that goes on on the hill. Massive part of it, and the, and the hill is, you know, don't knock it back. There's a lot of people come down on the footy on a Saturday afternoon to the footy and sit on the hill, and they couldn't give a shit about what's going out on out on the field. They just want to be on the hill enjoying the company of the people and you're a big part of that a massive part of it so we really really thank you for your for your time we thank you for your stories we thank you for your service to the footy club and uh, yeah. yeah and thanks for coming on our show and making it this will be funny this will be fun and funny and this will oh, this is going to go off its chops so thanks a lot guys hey teddy you know what i reckon i just realized what i've learned today I have learned, I've learned that the hill is the tree on the wing for people that can't climb trees. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a magnificent call. All right. Climbing that tree nowadays. But that's what everyone used to do up in the tree. Appreciate the football and get a bird's eye view. Now they do it. There's no. There's no bar in the pu- in the tree on the wing. Yep. There's no bar in the tree on the wing. Didn't mean when we were in the tree on the wing either, were we? No, we didn't. We didn't know that. Anyway, Nipper, it's time for you to do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, pick up your ass, pick up your glass, stop your talking, and start your walking. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Cheerio. Cheers. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Well done. No G O in the old O G. There's no G O G O G O G. There's no O G O in the old O G. Thank you, guys. And marching on. You'll agree they're two of the great characters of the club, and part of the reason why Winter Saturdays on the Hill are so enjoyable. They both clearly miss those Saturdays, and they're looking forward to the 2021 season and getting back there. Hope you enjoyed our chat. Thanks very much to the Muppet Show's Statler and Waldorf for their commentary, and we thank you for listening. See you all next time. thing I ever heard. It was terrible. Horrendous. Well, it wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah? Some of the parts of it I liked. Yeah, I liked a lot of it. Yeah, it was good. It I... was great. It's wonderful. Oh, bravo. More. 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 <laughs>
Thank you very much, gentlemen. And time is called and we must piss off. <laughs>